When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one and only miss eugenia washington hi how is everybody <laughs> how are you today i'm good you know what if i'm literally just woke up from a 15 minute power nap that's know? nice yeah i had to take one of those um and so i'm up and i'm about to do the next half of my day but i feel good nice and refreshed where are you in the world? I imagine you're not on East Coast time, or are you? Well, I am in Los Angeles. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I, I don't know. I just, I make up these backstories for people, and I just assumed you were in Los Angeles. So there you go. Oh, was that a part of my backstory? Well, I mean, you also said like the second half of your day, and I'm like, I don't think that's East Coast time, because I'm exhausted, and it's not the middle of the day here. What are you guys, uh, two, three, four, five? Yeah, so it's not so late, but you know what? I'm just such a morning person. I'm one of those, like, I wake up early, I have coffee, and I'm usually in the gym, like, at the crack of dawn, and then I go to bed early. Same, though, same. Like, I honestly, I'll wake up, my body, um, my biological clock wakes me up at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. And, yeah, I wake up, and then I get to the gym, and I have my day. So, like, by 10 o'clock at night, I'm dead tired same here you know what like I love waking up when it's dark and like you have everything done and like nobody's up yet it's so nice yes it's like your own personal time in the world for sure oh let me see your coffee mug let me see this is actually the podcast coffee mug it says behind the velvet rope oh look mine just says fuck yeah oh I like that too thanks (laughs) I'm like well that's the one thing like I drink so much coffee Ah, okay. That's not coffee, is it? I'm a tea ho. I was going to, somehow I was like, that doesn't look like coffee. That's funny. No, I'm a, I'm a tea ho for sure. I, you know what? I've become more into tea lately. Mm-hmm. I, it's very, like, it is, it's very soothing. It is. Yeah. You know what? My mom, um, we grew up drinking tea with my mom. Like, we would have, like, tea after school in elementary school with my mom. So it would be like, you know, it was one of those like bonding things. We always had tea, but I'm just now getting into coffee. Really? For the first time? In my life. In my life. So I like, I take it slow. So I'm doing, I can't remember the name. uh, I don't know. It's the one that's mixed with chocolate. Okay. Like a mochaccino type thing? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. A mocha. I got to smooth in there. But hasn't coffee, like, changed your life? No. It's just, like, kind of cool to be able to have coffee with people now. Because as an adult, you know what I mean? Because everybody gets coffee and I'm all out. But, I mean, it hasn't changed. I don't do it consistently enough to make it change. Oh, my God. Like, the smell of coffee. Like, a Starbucks. Like, I just, I love everything about coffee. I love the smell. The taste, it was hard for me. But I love the smell. But also, like, so I also drink, like, my drink of choice is vodka. So I think I like just, I'm literally just vodka. So I think I just like strong tastes when it comes to drinks. What's your background? 
I'm Jewish. And Jews are not really supposed to like be able to hold their liquor very well. Because listen, my rule is this. If you're drinking vodka after 25, you don't care about your life. Because I... <laughs> you don't think so? I don't think so. I have the worst, the craziest, outrageous experiences drinking vodka. You know, when you first start drinking, it's like you drink the vodka because it's cheap. And, you know, you end up in the bushes somewhere or whatever. You have those types of memories. And then after a while, my body was just like, no, girl, we're not doing this again. So I do tequila. But not to talk like a model early in, in our conversation, but vodka is one of the least caloric drinks. They say that about tequila. Te tequila's right up there, too. Yes. I, I think it's okay. both of them. I'll say, I'll say this, though. Vodka uh makes me crazy and i'm a very creative person and i love to have fun and so vodka makes me crazy and i do outlandish things really and you don't on tequila i don't on tequila no wow i can i mean i'm from california so tequila's our thing you know it is yeah vodka though like if you want to see gina go crazy <laughs> then put me on some vodka at this moment I like just the vodka chill just in the nice martini glass. Oh, just that first sip. You're like, life is good. Really? Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, I, I like a flavored vodka, but it's still vodka, but I like a pear or a citron. So you get like a little flavor, but it's still just the pure vodka. Yeah. What are you, a Scorpio? You're intense. I am a Gemini all the way, honey. <laughs> Geminis are, we're fun girls. You know, I'm a Libra, so a lot of my favorite people are Geminis because you guys are fun, and you guys say the stuff that we're thinking, and so I just love to watch. Yeah, Geminis, yeah. we don't really give a fuck. No, you don't. You don't. And Libras internally don't give a fuck, but we care about people's feelings, so then we're not going to do as much as Geminis do, but I will, I will tag along for sure. Yeah, the Geminis, like, we don't have as many feelings. Like, we have feelings. We're just very practical about our feelings. And you're just yeah. like, I don't have time to have a feeling right now. And there's no point to have this feeling. So let's just sweep it under the rug and move on. Just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of my, one of my best guy friends, my, my, um, um, I say my best gay friend because I've known him forever. And we are like, he's, he's my bestie. Uh, he's a Gemini, and we have the craziest times together. Gemini's, like, we're not, you know, we, we are very deep people, but, like, not when we are hanging out. We, we, we don't, don't need to be deep. No. <laughs> I want to just talk about what's in my drink and... And talk shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, we don't need to... No, you're not from L.A. originally, right? Yeah, so I was born in South Carolina, but... Um, two months later, my mom drove us to LA. Really? I grew up in California. Yeah, I'm an actual person that actually grew up in California, like since I was a kid. Um, but Palmdale, California, not LA. Palmdale okay. is a suburb an hour north of LA. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a, a small town in California, as if it was a small town in Kentucky, but California. So kind of near like Palm Springs or no? No, the opposite, the okay. opposite direction. But in the middle of the desert, yeah. Okay, so that's nice, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an interesting upbringing. I grew up in suburbia for sure. It was, it was an interesting upbringing and it was cool and diverse and we were close enough and um, exposed enough to LA that we had, you know, we were exposed. It was a small town, but because we're in California and we're close to LA, we had a lot of um, exposure and uh, connection to the outside world. Were you always, were you always like, I mean, I'm from Connecticut, like same thing. It was always just like, well, I'll end up cause I'm in New York city. I mean, it was just like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't so far away. I kind of grew up between the two, but I mean, I knew from like an early age, like I'll be living in New York. That's just yeah. how it is. I always knew. I always knew. Um, I knew when I was 10 years old that I needed to get up out of there because it was just, you know, it's like when, when something calls you and you're like, that speaks to me more than this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm grateful for this and I can deal with this at this moment, but when it's time to go, it's time to go and I'm ready for it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I have days where I wish I was the type to want to live in a suburb somewhere. Mm -hmm. Same. 
but I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not. I look at them and I'm like, that's so cool with your family and your your house and stuff. And oh, I wish I could live that life. And then it's like, no, I don't. Yeah, like you, you want it when you're there and you're like, well, this wouldn't be bad. And then I start having visions in my head of like, oh my God, like how well off would you be? Like, you know, it's so much cheaper and you would just live and there's look at all these people are having so much fun. And then you get home and you're like, okay, well, that was just a fantasy for 48 hours. And this is reality. Yes. I've been going back and forth to Palmdale um, more than usual during COVID because my best family is still out there. And she has two boys and a house out there and they have a big backyard and all that. And she got, she re, uh, she redecorated her backyard for like, you know, because of COVID families are getting toys and they're making their houses nice. So, yeah, you know, I spent time there and I was like, this is nice stability. You know what I mean? Foundation, all of that. And so I'll spend 48 hours there and I'll come back to my home and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back. Yeah. This makes sense for me, you know? You have like a minute. Now, did you growing up, were you always like, wanting to be a model like was that a goal or it just kind of happened um do you get as stressed out when planning a vacation as i do where to go what to do where to stay i definitely needed some extra help in choosing the perfect spot for my next vacation and that is why i turned to apple vacations they're great they're known as america's favorite vacation company for good reason just think of them and this is music to my ears as your one stop shop for that next level summer vacation. Apple Vacations will help you plan your entire getaway with confidence from start to finish. We're talking personalized service, exceptional values, and so much more. Plus, you can choose the most gorgeous destinations like Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, Hawaii, and the continental U.S., Each all-inclusive Apple Vacations package includes round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, meals, drinks, entertainment, and tips. Non-stop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels. So the entire vacation is as seamless as possible. For a limited time, you can use promo code SAND75 That's SAND75 and take $75 off your stay at Live Aqua in Cancun or Punta Cana. Just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get the steal of a deal to your favorite Live Aqua resort today. Again, just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get this amazing deal at your favorite Live Aqua resort today. Gosh, honestly, let me think about that. Right. Okay, here's the deal. I fell in love with makeup when I was in when I was 14, and I wanted to be a makeup artist, and I just knew I loved makeup. Um, but I was in the medical academy in high school, so I went to medical high school. I went. I wanted to be a plastic surgeon, you know, in theory. Well, that's not a bad thing to want to be. I, I still want like to be a plastic surgeon in another life. I mean, it's not right. going to happen in this life. But I wouldn't be mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a good job for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be a plastic surgeon because I was like, okay, I love makeup because I love making people beautiful and enhancing their natural beauty. But I did not know what type of money was in it. So I was like, I also love medicine and healing people. So why don't I be a plastic surgeon to, you know, cover both bases? But then my, I went to UCLA Medical School with my dentist and he showed me the uh, library that they studied for 12 hours and the lab dungeon that they studied for eight hours. And, you know, and I said, um, well, when do you guys have time to like have fun? And he was like, we don't, we're in medical school. And I said, ah, okay. So I quit that day. And I, I like, get it. You get it? Yeah. So, but I've, people always called me a model in high school. So it's been around. And I kind of knew I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to travel the world and talk to people. I just didn't know how that was going to happen. And then modeling kind of just found me. And then I said yes to it. And that's literally what happened. How did it find you? Um... I 
was living in Palmdale after high, after high school, and I had some stupid job that I didn't care about. No, it started here. I was working at Victoria's Secret. That's my first job I ever had. And I was surrounded by models and beautiful women. And I was like, I would love to be a Victoria's Secret model. And then people would come in and say, oh, are you a model? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. And then um, I started working at a different job, like a, like a, like a, I worked at Toyota, a, a car dealership. Okay. And I hated that job. And I was like, I have to get out of Palmdale. How do I get out of Palmdale? And there was this thing, this traveling modeling show called Ebony Fashion Fair for Ebony Magazine. And I went to the tryouts and I made the, the team and I was going to go. And so that's how modeling came to me. And I was going to go on their tour, but two weeks before they called, two weeks before the tour, they called me and said, well, you have to be five, 10 and you're five, nine and a half. So we don't think you're going to fit the clothes. So we can't have you on the tour. So I was like, what? So crash my dreams of just getting out of Palmdale, honestly. Um, how old were you at this point? I was like around. I was 19 or 20. Okay. Yeah, 19 or 20. Because I, I, wanted, I wanted to travel the world and talk to people. That's what I wanted to do. So I was like, that's a, that's a, gr- a great way for me to travel the world, model, and talk to people. And like be glamorous and learn about makeup and all those things. So that got shut down when they, made, when they called me. So then that day I was like, oh, what's my next move? What's my next move? So I went on the CW website. I don't know if you remember, like back in 2005, you can go to these websites and they had like games and I would play this candy game. And um, I went on the website and it was like uh, tryouts for America's Next Top Model, Cycle 7, um, fill out the application and turn it in. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and do this then. So I filled out the application. I went to the open call and... I got on the show. I'll spare you the whole way I got on the show, but I got on the show, yeah. Okay, no, because that's, okay, no. no. You don't understand, sweetie. This is behind the velvet rope. Like, what, what, what you think are, like, little details that we don't want to know, uh-huh. this is this is where the real joy of, I don't know. Of, yes. So, wait, so, like, did you, so did you work, like, as a model before this or no? You just no. went, wow. No, I didn't. I didn't. The way my brain works is, I mean, ready, aim, fire. Let's do it. I, and I'll figure it out later. So I was like, sure. I'm, I'm 19 years old. Sure, I can go on this TV show. Sure, I don't care, whatever. Uh, so I filled out the application. I went to the thing call, and there were 2,000 people at that open casting call at CBS Studios here in LA. I drove an hour to LA. Um, and the way the casting went was, we were on a soundstage. Um, and so they took 50 people at a time into the soundstage. They lined us up single file. And then they had a camera crew go down the line in front of each of us. And we had to say our name, where we're from, our height. Yeah, our name, our height, and where we're from. So they went down the line. They got to me. Hi, I'm Eugenia Washington. I'm five, nine and a half. And I'm from Palmdale, California. You know, and then that was it. So then they said, okay, we call your name, you stay. The rest of you guys go. So they called, I'm sorry, your number. So they called my number. My number was 10. So they called my number. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, I'm on to the next round. And so it was 10 of us. And they lined us up and in front of the casting directors. And they said, okay, tell us an interesting story. Each one of you down the line. And I, oh, did they say... No, they said, tell us something about you. That's what they said. They said, tell us something about you. So I was like, what should I say? What should I say? Now, I didn't really have something compelling. And for some reason, I knew in my heart that if I have to get on TV, I have to wow these people and I have to say something compelling that they'll remember me by. So uh, I did one semester in college. And I remember there was this crazy girl named Casey Luna. And she lived in... Uh, Central California. Now, Central California is farmland, and there's nothing there. So the people in Central California, they just get into all kinds of shit. They, you know, they're 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 drinking, and there's free. It's just wild because you have nothing to do. So she told us about this time where they were they had a bonfire in an orange grove, and then they set the orange grove on fire, and they were drinking Smirnoff, and they thought they can 
doused the fire with the Smirnoff. So they poured the Smirnoff on the fire and it blew up even more. And then the uh, fire truck had to come and it was all this whole thing. They burned like, I think two acres of orange grove. So I told them her story. <laughs> so I, <laughs> and you so pretended I, it was yours. Yeah, I pretended it was mine. I said, so one day I was in the orange grove with my friends and we, you know, I told that story. <laughs> and <laughs> then they said, okay, if we call your number again, stay, the rest of you guys leave. So they called my number and two other people out of the 10. So um, then they said, okay, come back tomorrow. You're going to be here all day. Uh, bring a lunch and just be prepared. So I was like, fine. <clears throat> so three out of 50. And they did that for everyone that day. The next day I went back and it was about, I think they had 50 of us. They narrowed down 2000 to about 50. Wow. So we went into this room and there were chairs lined up on one side in a row and then chairs lined up on another side in the row. In the beginning, in the middle of the room, there was a green screen and a camera and a chair. And in the front of the room, there was a row of like panel of uh, casting directors. So they said, everybody come in this room and sit down. And something led me to sit down in the very back in the last chair. I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit here and just watch because I don't know what's going on. So the casting director said, okay, you guys, you have your opportunity to plead your case and talk to Tyra on this video camera. And so we each had to get up one by one and sit in the middle of the room and talk to this camera and tell Tyra whatever we wanted. They said, just talk to her. And so one side of the, the, the opposite side of the room I was on went first and girl after girl went up and she gave a sob story about how she, you know, was insecure about her looks growing up and everyone called her tall and skinny. And so now she's insecure about that. Or one girl was like, oh, my mom died. And another person was like, I hate being dark. You know, just these stories. So I'm just looking and laughing and amusing to myself and making my little comments and whatever in the back row. And then it came down to me and I was the last person to go out of the whole group. And we've been there for at least eight hours. So I was like, okay, I see what these girls are doing. I don't have these soft stories, but I have what I know and how I was, was raised and, and, and shit, what I know. So I was like, I have to say something different. So I go up to the middle of the thing and I told this story. <laughs> the story I told the casting directors. So I said, I don't know how it started off, but I told this story of a time that I went to an open call at an agency. And this is a true story. I went to an open call at an agency, at a modeling agency in Beverly Hills, California. And I went to the open call and I came back to my car and I locked my keys in my car. And this was before cell phones or anything like that. So I locked my keys in my car and I'm waiting outside of the, my car. And I'm asking people if they can help me. Like I'm asking the white people around if they can help me get in my car and they're like well no because we don't how do I know that if it's your car I don't want to be an accomplice if you're breaking into this car you know I'm just I'm a 19 year old black girl just out in the street trying to get into a car um even this white man came up to me and he wanted to talk to me he asked me out he wanted to have lunch with me and I said, yeah, but can you please help me get into my car? I locked my keys into my car. I can't get in my car. He said, oh, oh no, I can't, I can't do that. I, I, I can't do that. And he walked away. And so about four people came up to me, wanted to talk to me, see what I was doing. And when I said I locked my keys in my car, no one wanted to help me. So I was outside for four hours. It was getting dark. I'm in LA, an hour away from home. Uh, you know, it's nighttime. So I'm waiting outside. I don't know what to do. My purse is in the car, everything. I'm just out. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I make decisions based on what is good for me, not everyone else. I live my life unapologetically and authentically as myself. And that is why when it came time to lose weight, the only thing that worked for me was Noom. What I loved about Noom is that they don't label foods good or bad, foods permitted and foods that are never permitted. They take a psychology-based approach and rather than focus on the food, they focus on why 
why we make the choices that we do. Noom has helped me break so many bad habits, particularly with sugar. I love sugar candy, Skittles, Swedish Fish, Starburst, you name it, I love it. Rather than just say those foods weren't allowed, Noom helped me understand why I have these cravings, especially at certain times of the day. And slowly I started to change these habits. I crave sugar less, I shopped better. Noom, I cannot recommend enough. The app is so easy to use also. And what I love best is it only takes 10 minutes of your time a day, just 10 minutes. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. You can sign up for this trial at noom.com slash velvet. That's right. By listening to this podcast, you too get to try Noom. You can sign up for your trial at noom.com slash velvet. And Noom is N O. O-M, noom.com slash velvet. Go there, sign up for your trial and let me know how it works out for you guys. It's great and it has really helped me. So then all of a sudden there was this parking spot that opened up in front of my, where my car was parked. And then this big champagne color Yukon Denali came and pulled up into the parking lot of, parking spot in front of me. And I said, yes, I know there's black men in this car. And I was right. So they got out and I said, you guys, please, I've been waiting out here for four hours. Can you please help me get into my car? And he was like, oh, yeah, no problem. So he pulled out like in the back of his trunk, he had one of those jacks that you like, yeah. crack. I don't know how he had that too, but you cracked the window open and he got my little, he opened the window for me and unlocked my door in two minutes, less than that. He was like, here you go, you know, have a good day, no problem. And I was like, thank you so much. He's like, no problem, and drove off. And I, you know, so I was like, wow. And then, uh, and so I said something like, and it's a shame how I, as a young black woman, can't even lo- get help from any white person if I lock myself out of my car because they think that I'm trying to steal my own car. Why? You know, I was like, I have to be considered a criminal and, and a thief and a robber just because I'm black. I don't, I'm not being, I'm not being shown as a woman. No one sees me as a young black girl just trying to make it. I'm just a criminal. And, and, you know, and that's not right. And that's what sucks about America. And that's what's terrible about America. And I said, but the next week I was in Ralph's grocery store and I was in the line, checkout line and there was this white woman standing in front of me and she had all these groceries and she was $5 short. And I had extra, and so she had to put some of her groceries back. And I was like, but I had $5 and I could have helped her. But do you think I was gonna reach into my pocketbook and pull out five of my dollars to help this lady? No, why? Because if I, I know for a fact that if she saw me outside of my car, she wouldn't help me just like her kinfolk did. So the main thing I need to say is if you want people to respect and love you, you gotta show love and respect to other people. And so I went on this whole rant tangent, right? And you were the only one, like no one else did anything like this. Oh, and everybody's looking like, uh, and I'm 19, by the way, but those are my feelings, you know? Um, <laughs> so I know this whole tangent and I was just like, and so that's what I think about America. Dropped the mic and sat there and then walked back to my seat and they're like, um, okay, well, you guys, this was been a great day. If we call you back in three months, then that means you're coming to a pre, what was it, semifinals to get onto the show. And if we don't, thank you for being here. So I was like, cool. So I got my stuff and I left. And then I remember it was like June and I got a call from a 310 number. And I'm in 661. That's my area code in Palmdale. And at this moment, I'm 19. So I only know people from 661. Yeah. Yeah. 310 phone call. I knew 310 was LA. So I look at the phone and I'm like, yep, here's the call. Literally what I said. Really? Yeah. I said, oh yeah, this is the call. So then um, I answer the phone and I'm like, hello. And uh, his name was Dan Marciano, the producer of Top Models. His name is Dan Marciano, I believe. That sounds familiar. That sounds right. And Dan DeMarco, David DeMarco, something. DeMarco, DeMarco, whatever. So he was like, hello, Eugenia. Hi, this is Dan DeMarco um, from America's Next Time. Are you sitting down? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I want to formally invite you to semifinals for America's Next Top Model Cycle 7. Aren't you so excited? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. 
You know what I mean? But I knew that I was going to get on the show. Do you know how sometimes you just know? Yeah. And you, you know? just, and you just, you knew, did you, well, did you know this story? Did you know, I mean, was I that just, the moment? I just knew. I knew how to get on the TV show. I knew what story to tell. I knew what they wanted to hear. I knew I had it. I just, a strategy just kind of came to me. So um, I was just kind of like, it only makes sense for TV if I stand out. You know, it only makes sense for TV if I stand out. Because if you're doing a show like Top Model, you have to have outrageous personalities as well as like the looks. So for me, it just added up so when all the girls were doing these sobs these same sob stories I was like well I gotta do something different and I gotta make these people's jaw drop so you know I kind of knew it and then I went to semifinals and were you uh, like thrilled that you sat in the absolute last seat I mean that kind of worked yes, out yes it, it was crazy I, I was um I just it was a time where I just followed my gut instinct and I walked in and I was like, I'm not going to sit on this side. I'm just going to sit there in the very back. I'm going to sit in the very back and kind of just observe. That was my thing to just observe. And so it just, everything just worked out in my favor. You know, how sometimes in life, all, all of the pieces come together to work out in your favor when you're just following what you're supposed to do. You're just being. Yeah. Who yeah. So it was really one of those things to where I was literally just being who I am because my parents are from Louisville, Georgia, the South. My dad integrated the first high school in Louisville, Georgia, back in 1960 something. Um, he always taught us to be leaders and be proud of who we are. We were watching Eyes on the Prize. We were watching Martin Luther King. We were watching Vernon John's story. We were watching Harriet Tubman. We were watching Cry Freedom. We were watching all these, you know, um, black history movies that taught us about our culture, where we came from, what and what we had to overcome. And then my dad, he marched for voter rights in the eighties. My mom was pregnant marching for voter rights when she was, you know, was pregnant with her first son, my brother marching for voter rights in the eighties. You know, my dad and mom have always been those people in their town. Literally my dad right now is in Louisville, Georgia, trying to get the last standing slave auction taken down. And it's a national monument in Georgia. He's trying to get the stuff taken down right now. So that's wow. where I came from. So when they said talk, that's what I had to talk about. Were the other people sitting there like, oh, fuck? Like, <laughs> she just, she's going to get this show? Or no, you couldn't I tell? I don't know what anybody thought. Because honestly, we were all young. Like, it was 17, 18, 19, 20, maybe. And we didn't know what we were there doing because they didn't give us any information. They just said, talk to Tyra. And so we just did what came natural to us or came from inside of us and you know there's girls who are leaders and some there's girls who are followers and the girls who are followers who did what everybody else did um didn't get on the show do you think so, tyra really watched these videos did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair if you're among them no you're not alone and there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shredding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth, of course, takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in around three to six months. Listen, it actually really works. I'm not going to mention any names, but a family member of one of the RHONJ, Real Housewives of New Jersey, I know has been on this for around two years, and I saw a huge difference in her hair growth. Listen, you can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show behind the velvet rope by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code VELVET to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to u.s customers for a limited time plus free shipping on every order get 15 dollars off at nutrafol.com and that's spelled n-u-t-r-a-f 
O-L, Nutrafol.com. And the promo code is velvet. Enter that and you get $15 off. When you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly delivery so you never miss a dose. What are you waiting for? Nutrafol.com, promo code velvet. Start restoring your hair and your confidence today. I think that the producers watched the videos first because they were all there. The producers, the casting directors, we were all, they were all there. And we didn't even know who they were. Uh, we just knew there were people casting, but you, you don't have an idea of what casting is. And yeah. Um, you just knew that there were grownups watching you and you had to do what they say. Yeah. So I believe that from that day, I think they were watching us all day. Because I know I was in the back snickering. I was talking shit about the girls to myself. You know, leave her shit. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's know? like a long day. It was a long day. Some girl said some stupid stuff. I was like, oh my God. You know, I was just being mean. Um, and I think that from that day, they filtered all the girls and whoever they liked best from the girls, they showed Tyra. It's sandal season. Look, everyone always gets excited for sandal season. The weather is warmer, but I wear sandals year round. And now you can too, thanks to Crocs. With the new Crocs style sandals, you can embrace those feel good summer vibes all year long. I love Crocs sandals, not just because they're stylish, but because they're so comfortable. And when I'm comfortable, I feel I can do anything. They have new Miami sandals and Brooklyn sandals, but my absolute favorite are their getaway sandals. They are so soft, light, and thin. It literally feels like I don't have any shoes on at all. There's a cushiony soft footbed and it honestly feels like I'm walking on clouds. Style-wise, they go with anything and everything and I can wear them anywhere, no matter how casual or a more formal event. You have to check out the getaway sandals and all of their sandals come in such a variety of colors. So you can match with any outfit. Right now, get 20% off your next purchase at crocs.com. Just use the code sandals20 at checkout. That's sandals20 at crocs.com for 20% off your purchase. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Were you freaking out like when you got there initially and there were 2,000 people? Were you like, oh, this is a waste now? No, I wasn't freaking out. Um, I don't freak out about stuff like that. Um, because I was never taught to worry about what the next person was doing. And I have such a strong sense of self. That's how I was brought up. Um, so it didn't matter to me what anybody else was doing. I just knew that I was going to show up and do me. And if they liked it, they liked it. If they didn't, shit, I could do something else. Well, that's a good attitude. (laughs) It's true. Even at 19, you had all this figured out. Yeah, but we understand, like, I've always wanted to get out of Palmdale. So it's just this this pool, you know? You know what my favorite cartoon is? What? Moana. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, because it's the same thing when she was like, the water chose me. And then there was something beyond the reef that was pulling her yeah. and calling her. Yeah, so it's the same thing. It's real. It's life. And that's how I feel about what I'm doing now. It It, it called me and then... And I just answered and I did, I was just me and it worked out. So this is my thing, because you said this now, and this is just my own always lack of knowledge or whatever, you know, like all these girls are getting up, giving their sob stories. Life was so tough when I was young. I was tall and skinny and skinny and tall. I mean, that is something you hear all the time from female models, which I don't understand when that, but a lot of Female models say they were bullied in high school and they were unpopular because they were tall and skinny. Is that really a curse? (laughs) Okay, so I was bullied because I was tall and skinny. But the thing about being skinny when you're an adolescent is you're literally sticks and bones. So it's not cute. I mean, 
I had long legs, so my pants were always baggy and flooding when, you know, other girls were like hipsy and curvy and they were, you know, cute and developing fast. I developed late. I lost my last tooth in senior year in high school. So just, you know. Okay. So, but the thing is, I have seven brothers and sisters and we're all tall and skinny and kind of like outspoken. So we all bullied each other. So I was used to talking shit to people and getting people, having people talk shit to me. But at the same time, I was very athletic. I was very smart, um, funny, and had a lot of personality. So yeah, I'm tall and skinny, but like there's other great things about me. I think sometimes for someone else, they might not have any other type of personality. For me, I didn't think I was going to turn out to be beautiful. So I was like, I'm going to be the uh most athletic i'm gonna be the smartest i'm gonna be the most well-spoken i'm gonna be you know the funniest i'm gonna have the most friends i'm gonna have another skill i'm gonna do makeup i'm gonna beautify people like i i created a different persona outside of my looks when i was young um but the main thing was pants were always baggy and flooding and that kind of sucked um but i just feel like there's more to life than oh my god i was called olive oil and it hurt my feelings like grow up but I was I was fortunate to live in a in a in a household where we always talked shit about each other. That was our love language. Just, you know, that and that's just kinda how black people do. We're very um we're very kind of tough on each other. We do a tough love thing, so it prepares you for life. So when you got that at school, you were just like, Okay, well First I'm of all, kinda... no one dared to to no one dared to bother me at school. It was mostly like church family at home but um everybody well, knew my good. big brother so it was and everybody knew my big sister so it was like oh you're Brianna's sister oh you're you know you're Eugene's sister and my mom was a prominent teacher in the, the school district so it was like you're Miss Washington's daughter and then my dad was the the uh the town council president so they're like oh you're Miss Eugene you're Eugene's daughter and then we had all these kids so it was like you're a Washington so nobody dared bully me and like I'm not bullyable to be honest you don't seem like you are so yeah no no you, no not the household I grew up in you know I'm not bullyable so when when you got this call for um when you got this call they said you made it were you just like okay were you like freaking out like <laughs> oh my god I was like okay this is cool this is it was honestly and I wish I could I, honestly it was like okay this is all according going according to plan all right, this is exactly what I expected. It's working out. Thanks. Like, I was happy. I had to kind of pretend to be happy. Like, yeah, I'm sitting down. Oh, my God. Not that I wasn't excited. I was. But honestly, for me, I was like, okay, cool. This step is working. So I'm going to go to the next step, you know? Do, and do they ever ask up to this point, like, do you have modeling industry experience? Or they don't even really care about that. I mean, that wasn't really. I think I think they asked, but it wasn't. The biggest deal, right? I just didn't know if we were signed to an agency, and then so did you? Did you watch the show before you were on it, like the other seasons? I was such a fan! I was the biggest fan of that show. Um, yeah, I watched that show. Uh, I did. The only cycle I didn't like was cycle four. The Tyra got mad at me because I said that, but whatever. The only cycle I didn't like was cycle four. Um, but I loved the show, and it's. Um, to be honest, I never thought that I would end up on the show. I didn't have an idea of going on it because TV felt so far away, living in a small town, until I saw the thing on the CW website, and I was like, well, shit, let's do it. This is how, you know? Did you, so, like, when you tell your family you're leaving for the show, were they like, oh, my God? Like, did your family, really? Yeah, I am very, I don't tell people anything that they don't, I don't be talking I'm secretive. You just said I'm going. I'm. I'll talk to you later. I just left. I just left. That's that's what it was. I was like, Mom. Uh, I'll be back. But I wasn't living in the house. I wasn't living in the house at the time. I was. I was living on my own. I was living with a boyfriend at the time. Um, God rest his soul. Well, I hope he's dead. But I was living with a boyfriend at the time. For real. And so I was not in the house anyway. So me just going and leaving and being gone for three months, it was just kind of like. Right. Like no one thought anything of it. 
yeah, no one thought anything of it. Plus, my mom has six other, seven other kids to deal with. So we were, we were ready to be independent, create, make our own decisions, and, and, and do them. When you got there, so like you get there, you start filming, like, was it what you expected? Like, no, I was pissed off. Why? So, because you watch it on TV and it looks exactly, it seems exactly what it looks like on TV, right? Like, oh my gosh, this girl's this type of girl, that girl's that type of girl. She should have done better. I can't believe she sucked at that. If it were me, I would have done better. I would have never felt that way. Like, you know, you, you're able as a, as a spectator to give your two cents based on what you see. Because no one knows what it takes to create a show, a TV show, a reality show, especially back then, excuse me, in 2005. So I get on a show and there's all these booby traps set up, i.e., 13 girls, 12 beds. Um, only one phone in the phone booth, but there's 13 girls there. Um, let's see, what else? We have to be much 24 seven. As soon as we open our eyes and close our eyes, uh, there were no curtains on the bathroom because they needed to see everything we were doing. There was cameras everywhere. Um, no TV, no radio, no music, no phone really. We were working 16 hours a day. We would leave the house six o'clock every morning, come back probably like 12, 11, 12 at night. Um, and then we'd have to fight over who had the phone. But then we'd also have to get sleep because we have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning again. Um, the photo shoots were not fair. They were always set up during the photo shoot. Like how so? Man. I have a scar on my on my knee and on my shin to this day as a grown ass woman from that motherfucking show. Can I cuss? Because I do. Yeah, you can say anything you want. Thank you. I'm I'm from New York. I have a filthy mouth. Thank you. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, you can say whatever you want here. Right. So, um, the rickety runway, the runway when it was like this, and we had to walk on water, and there were these. Do you remember that? Yeah. Wooden planks that were on the water, that were floating on the water, and we had to walk on the, and it was a runway, and walk down it, and then pose at the end and come back. And yeah. that was our challenge and our photo shoot. Let me tell you something. We're all girls who, one, have probably never walked in heels before, number one. Number two, um, they put me in six-inch heels, tiny spike stiletto heels, six-inch spike stiletto heels, my shoes were half a size too small, so I had to squeeze into them bitches. They gave me a pencil skirt that was tight past my knees so I could barely walk anyway. So I have a pencil skirt that's tight, fucking six-inch spike stiletto heels, no platform, just straight heel, toe to the ground, right? Then I have a double corset on and a belt around my whole entire waist so I can't breathe. And then these motherfucking wings that I have to walk with. And then it's dark outside. And so they go, okay, girls, there's a pool in the middle of the desert under all these lights because they have to light it up because it's dark outside. These big spotlights are in your face. And then the, the rickety runway is like this. So it's wet, it's getting wet and it's slippery. And you have to walk, your, walk down, take a picture and walk back. As a person? As a human being, who wants to do that? Yeah. That shit's dangerous. I could die. You know what I mean? Like, that's dangerous. I can die, you guys. Like, I can die, you guys. What are you talking about? Take a picture and look pretty and walk down and be fierce. I can die right now. Like, I can fall out. I can fall into the fucking water. I cannot breathe and die. But then you're 19, you're 20, you're away from home you're in this situation and these producers, these grownups are telling you that this is what you have to do um, in order to stay on this show. And it feels like life or death. And so you go out there and you do it. Did anyone ever say like, N I just don't want to do this. I mean, there were no cameras rolling or whatever. No. Um, not that I remember. No, not on our season. No. Like but it was clear if you said that it wasn't going to end well. 
Well, no, because they'll make a big thing of it. You know, we kind of caught on. It's like whatever you say can and will be used, ahead, used against you. So if you wanted to be the girl that said you weren't going to do it, here come all the cameras. And then the produ- they bring in Miss J. And so the producers say, Miss J, this girl doesn't want to do this. So this is what you tell her to make her upset and then start a fight. So Miss J will come, say, give a heart to heart to the girl. Listen, you have to go out there and do this. This is what models are supposed to do. Do you really want to be here? Because there's girls out here. Everyone's out here and they want to be here. And you're acting like you don't want to be here right now. And so we need to know, like, are you serious about modeling? Are you not? Because sometimes in the modeling industry, this is what you're going to have to do. So we just need to know, are you serious about this or not? Because I can boot you off right now, you know? And it'll be like, this whole thing. So unless you want to be that girl, you kind of just shut up and do it. And then do you think, like, were the eliminations each week always based on, like, you know, the lowest ranked? Or do you think it was, like, uh, Miss J had a problem with that person. She's a pain in the ass. Get her the hell out of here. She doesn't want to do this or that. It's interesting how the eliminations happen. So you kind of catch on what's going to happen during elimination during the shoot. Because the shoot is a full day. And they tell us what we're going to do, which is usually outrageous. And then they give us all time to just roam around between hair and makeup. And so we're all just kind of talking, you know, and the combination of the shoot being weird, us being away from our family, not being able to speak on the phone, us being hungry, us being tired, us, you know, not liking this girl or that girl, us kind of just being irritable. Maybe we had a bad day. Girls are just saying how they feel throughout the day. And so we were mic'd all the time. So producers are listening to what every girl is saying. Like I have a producer just listening to me. And if I say some key words that seem like it might be drama, he'll tell somebody else and he'll tell somebody else and then somebody else will make a story and they'll come and all the cameras will come to me and they'll start listening and filming what I'm saying. And so you learn like, okay. So they're asking me about what I said. Uh, are they trying to make a big deal out of it, about this? How are they trying to twist this? Hmm okay, damn, are they trying to make this a thing? Are they trying to use this against me? Fuck. So then you, uh, you know, you try to do your best during the photo shoot and then you listen to what they say during the photo shoot. And Mr. J might say, oh my God, Eugenia, you're so flat. And I'll be like, no, I'm not. In my head. And then he'd be like, "Do, do one of these. I mean, like, I just can't get any good tape from you right now. And you're like, but you can't really say that though, you know, cause Mr. J's kind of, he's navigating the whole thing. He's manipulating the whole thing. So you're like, okay, fuck. Uh, them all crowding around me based on something I said and making a big deal. Now it's my turn to shoot and Mr. J's mad at me. And I thought I did my best, but I guess not. Uh, and then now the producers are asking me off camera how I felt and saying okay Mr. J really got into your ass right now how does that make you feel like do you not like him and then you're just like oh man the walls are closing in on me you know and so you just try to try your best to get through that day and then the next day it's elimination and so you get to elimination and you're standing up there and Tyra goes well we heard that you had a terrible day yesterday Mr. J said that he couldn't get any good feeling from you and you were just lazy and you were not cooperative um, is there anything going on at home? And then you'd be like, ah, they're doing this to me. They're trying to make me, you know? So they make it a big, they, they make it a situation to create the drama. And so now when they're deliberating, which is usually like four hours, we're sitting in this room waiting for them to vote us off. Like everybody's sweating because it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have did this. Wait, I thought I did good. I thought I did good. Like what's going on? And then, you know, eliminations will happen. And then Tyra will hand out the cards and call people their name, call the names. And then, you know, you're waiting and you're just like, God, I hope she calls me. I hope she calls me. I hope she calls me. And then she'll call you like third to last. Eugenia, even though yesterday wasn't your best day, we still think that there, there's some potential in you. Congratulations. You're still in the running because that's one of the next model. And you're like, oh, thank God. And that's just, that's how it goes. And so you're always on edge every four days because elimination happens every four days. So you're just always on fucking edge. And like they're watching you the whole time you're in the house. 
we, as soon as our eyes open, here comes a camera crew and then you're laying there and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm awake. Here's the camera in my face. As soon as you wake up, you have to go downstairs to the microphone spot and get a microphone on before you brush your teeth and wash your face or anything. So then you go back upstairs and you live your life. And then right before you go to sleep, you'll lay down and they'll film you laying, laying down, turning off the light. And they'll say, okay. So then you get up and then you take your microphone off and then you actually get to go to sleep. So they know everything about us. And there's microphones in the closets, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, under your bed, on the balcony, by the pool. Camera crews are following you all over the place. It's like you are just in this circus 24 seven. On top of that, we were sequestered. So we didn't speak to anybody in life. Yeah. We didn't see anybody else in life except the girls and the producers and the occasional Tyra Banks. Other than that, for three months, it's like you're in witness protection program, literally. So the way that your mind works is now you're in this institution and you're trying to stay alive. Because if you get voted off, you don't know where you go. You don't go home, but you don't be here. And you want to be here. So it's this, it's this whole mind fuckery that happens. I mean, no one understands it unless you've been on the show. And I mean, did everyone understand it? Like, it sounds like you did, but did all the girls understand? Like, if you say something, like, the, no one's on your side, it sounds like. Everyone's just no trying to manipulate you. Side. Nobody. It's like you're in jail. We all described it as, as prison nobody's on your side like the the producers the minute you get there they are just out for blood yeah and the mindfuckery is they're your friends like they're so nice but then you know how producers are you know so and they're nice about it but they're just like in your confessional so carrie d stole your burrito this morning how do you feel about that in your life uh, well, you know, she stole my, wait, you have to say, Carrie D stole my burrito this morning. And I don't know why she did that because I put my name on it and I told everybody in the house not to take my burrito. So when she took my burrito, I was pissed off. And then they were like, well, what did you do? Tell us what you did afterwards. And then I have to say, after Carrie D stole my burrito, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, they really have us programmed. And were they, like, to your point, would they say things like, you know, well, I heard so-and-so oh, said this about you. And then maybe that person did or did not say that. Yeah. And then, but you have to answer the question. Because it's all based on some sort of truth. Or, or it's all based on, like, maybe they know that you don't like this girl. So they're going to say, well, this girl said something about you. And then they're going to tell the girl that you said something about her. And so it's separate confessionals at separate times. And we had to do this every single day. So it just caused a bunch. There was layers and layers of conflict and scandal in that place. And you would compare it to like being in jail. Oh, yeah. It was definitely politics. Politics. Let me tell you how we traveled to and from the uh, shoot locations was in this car we called the submarine. So it was a, uh, it was a white, it was a white Cadillac, stretch Cadillac Escalade. And that's how we traveled. But the, the, the windows were completely blacked out so we couldn't see outside and they had stickers on the windows. So we couldn't see outside period or inside. And the stickers were like decorative, you know what I mean? They're decorative stickers. But at the same time, they were functional. So we could not see where we were going. So in the car would park right in front of the door. So we leave the mansion, walk out the house and walk directly into the car. And wait, so the car, it was like blackout windows, but there were, there were big stickers. So like you couldn't even look out and see you were like which way you were heading? No, we couldn't. It was like blacked out windows and then stickers all throughout. So wow, these white blacked out windows and white big streaming stickers. Wow. So then, yeah, so we couldn't see anything. And we were just going. And it's six o'clock in the morning, so we're tired, you know? So it's not like, where are we? It's like, oh, okay, where's the next location? You know, you're trying to sleep a little bit until you get there. And then so you get there. 
So you would get out and you would have no idea. Like you could have gone around in 15 circles. You literally couldn't tell. No idea. We would just get out somewhere and we would be somewhere. Yeah. That sounds like total mind torture. Oh, it was. It was. It was. And your mind is such an incredible thing because like it adapts. And it honestly feels like you die. So when the girls were crying when we got eliminated, it wasn't because our dreams were shattered and I really wanted to be a model and this is my passion and oh my God. It, it just felt like you were dying. And so it was scary and it was sad and um, you just didn't want to go because, you know, it made you feel like that was your home. And if you left your home, what's going to happen to you for the rest of your life? And so that's why everyone was so emo- so emotional because it was just like, my friends, my home, what what happens now? You know, you don't know where you go after that. It's like you were scared because you don't know where you're taken afterwards because you're not sent home. No, you're scared because you're you're sent away from the only home that you know. It sounds like not even jail, but part like a cult. It was intense. It was mentally intense for sure. What about, so like the producers, it sounds like they try to manipulate you. What about like the judges? Like, it sounds like they tried as well. Everything was manipulation. Everything was manipulation. You just have to sit there and you watch. And for the younger girls, 17, 18, who haven't really been exposed and come from like Mobuck, Kentucky or whatever, it was tough for them to watch them because they didn't know what hit them. But, but fortunately, I grew up in California and, you know, my brain moves a little faster. And um, I was 21 at the time, actually, when I was actually on the show. It was Melrose and I who were, and Carrie D who were the only ones over 21. And um, so I was a little bit smarter and the way I was raised, I was more observant and smarter. And um, so I kind of caught on to what was going on. So it made sense for Melrose, Carrie D and I to be in the top three because we were, we were, uh, we were scheming and plotting. And so, I imagine like the other girls, a lot of them didn't even know they were being manipulated by like producers because they were younger. Yeah, they were more so like, I can't believe they did this to me. Like, why are they talking like this? Like, I can't understand. Like, it just fucking sucks. It just sucks. And I'll be like, well, it's a part of the game. Like, play the game. Why are you mad? You know that this is how it's happening. So, like, decide what you're going to say against it so you can stay on the show. Don't just sit here and crumble and fall and just be like, I can't believe this. You know, like, what you going to do? What about the judges? Did you have a favorite judge out of like Nigel? The only person I liked was Miss J. Miss J, I I love her. Miss J, I love her. She was sweet. She was my only friend out of the judges. Um, I saw her a couple times, like during LA Fashion Week after the show. I caught we had lunch in New York a couple times. I would run into her all the time in New York throughout my career, and it was always like, "Hey, you know what's up?" Like I love Miss J. Pumpkin. I don't like the rest of them. How was Janice Dickinson? Janice Dickinson, she wasn't on there. Oh wait, she she wasn't she wasn't as full time. She made appearances though. Yeah, let me tell you about. Please do. Okay. Ah, I love her. So, do you remember when she had her modeling agency? Yeah, I mean, listen, Janice is. There's so much that could be said about Janice so much and you cannot take nothing away from her it doesn't matter what type of attitude she has she deserves it there's so much you can say about janice dickinson i read her book did you read it yeah i'm like she's led a life i only dream to have those types of experiences and i'm sad that we're in covid because i can't you know yeah wow so now we're back to janice dickinson okay after i tried out for what was it? Ebony Fashion Fair and wasn't able to go on. I tried out for Janice Dickinson Modeling Agency. I forgot. Really? really? So yeah. you so you tried out for that TV show? Yes, I was. I didn't, I didn't realize. Whoa, okay, I was trying out. Yeah, I tried out for the TV show. I did. But this is what happened. So I tried out. I was there all day. And it just didn't seem like my, it didn't seem, it didn't feel right to me when I was in the line waiting. But I was there waiting. We finally got inside to see Janice. Now I had on like some 
some regular t-shirt, some skinny jeans, and some flip-flops. Because for some reason, subconsciously, I didn't take it seriously. And I was like, let me just show up here and, and, and wow these people. So I got in there and it was like seven of us in line. It was co-ed, there was guys, there was girls. There were seven of us lined up. And she goes in line, asks us all our age. And I said, I was, I think I was 20 at the time. She's like, oh, wow, you're perfect. You're very beautiful. Um, and you have narrow hips just like me. The fashion industry would love you. Oh my gosh, but you don't have on heels and I can't take you like that. So bye. So I was like, okay, okay, girl. And then I just walked. That's how I did not get on Janice Dickinson's show. But she remembered me when I was on Tyra's show. Really? Like, yes. She was like, I remember you. You came to my audition because you were one of the only girls that had an actual model body. And you had those thin, narrow hips because I was very skinny, just naturally. So she's like, and I've never seen a black girl have thin, narrow hips like you. And I just thought you had so much potential, girl. But you can't ever walk into an audition with fucking flip-flops on. What are you doing? Like who? And I was like, I didn't know. But um, like we had we had a moment, and then fast forward after Top Model went off, my season went off, and I had like a press run. I was doing some show, and she was doing the same show that day. It was like a talk show. You show up. Yeah. She was there doing the same show that day, so we were in the green room, and I was like, Oh my gosh, hi Janice, and she's like hey, you know, I think you kick ass on the show. Like, I think you're going to have a kick-ass career. You need to get you a good agency. Go to Paris. You're going to have a kick-ass career. You know, and if you need anything, tell me. So she gave me her phone number. She's like, call me whenever, girl. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, sort of thing. I didn't utilize her phone number because I was intimidated. Um, not intimidated. I was nervous. I was like, she doesn't really have time for me, so I would never call Janice Dickinson, you know? But um, that is, that's, wow. that's what happened with me and her, yeah. And you didn't like Twiggy or Nigel. Thanks for tuning in to our part one sit down with Miss Eugenia Washington. I mean, we are just getting started. You don't think I'm done with my Tyra questions, do you? Listen, sometimes I can be a shady bitch, right? But you know what? All I care about is getting the answers for you guys. So we have a lot more questions about Top Model, what it was really like. She's got some interesting things to say about Tyra Let's, let's, let's talk about it all. So stay tuned for part two coming very, very soon. And did you guys like this chat with Eugenia Washington? It continues very soon. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.